You're listening to the Analuya podcast, where faith and animation collide. Each episode, we'll discuss the various topics in animated movies and TV shows, while also sharing our thoughts and opinions as they relate to faith and spirituality. Get ready to raise a hallelujah. It's time for Analuya. And you're locked into another episode of the Andalou Podcast. My name is Josh, and it is a scorcher here in the month of June with my lovely wife, Rebecca. Hello, hello, everybody. And gosh, I mean, it, it always hits in waves, it seems, the heat. This past weekend, we had Church from the Park. Just a different type of send to have the church service. We only have one service. We usually have two. And it's also for people who just want to, you know... Maybe people walking by, they hear the sermon, they come in and listen and maybe enjoy the worship. But what I was not expecting was the heat of that day. The high was 98. Gosh, it, was it? Was that the high? That was. It felt much it was hotter hot. than that. It was really hot. Well, we had the live stream. So for those of you who may not know, uh, I work on the media team at our church and we had to set up everything for live stream. So that meant going to the area where there was a power source running cables so that we could live stream it through Facebook and um, YouTube. And also so that everybody could hear the music coming out. We had to get all that rigged up and it worked as that as well as you could expect, which was <laughs> not that great. Well, if you're in a new place and you know, I mean, outside is not yeah, typically where... correct. And there are many, many factors that can influence that. But it yeah. was a great service either either way. It was. It was great because I got to sit under the shade. <laughs> yeah, because I said, hey, get, get there early. Because parking and also I saved you a spot right next to the media booth. Mm-hmm. So right up in front. And we don't, we don't have one of those uh, pop-ups, but we should get one. I was looking on Amazon and they're only like... For the size that other people had and that the church had. It's a 10 by 10. Yes. It was only like 100, 125. I think the enclosed ones were like close to 200. Yeah. Uh, it's not terrible. Could be better, but. I will uh, say that. Worth it though. That was say. our saving grace when we went to the beach a couple of years ago. Oh, yes. Yeah. When my, my mom and Kevin, they had. One of those tents. I think it was just a regular like 10 by 10 that we like buried the little feet in the sand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Otherwise it would have been. Yes. Horrible. We would have just draped a, a towel over you just soaked in water and just draped it over you. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you guys don't know, if you haven't seen any of our pictures or videos, I have red hair and very fair skin and I do not tan. I just burn. Um, even sitting in the shade, actually. Like. I can get burned. It's crazy. Um, Josh tans really nicely. Yeah, a little bit. And when it's not micro micro abrasion, again, a story for another time, but you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But we're going to be doing a, another underrated movie. Uh, uh, this episode didn't plan on this. Well, kind of. Yeah, we did. I mean, a couple of weeks ago we planned for it. Yeah. So, but I wasn't thinking that uh, in terms of like it being an underrated movie. Just oh. a movie <laughs> yeah. that I enjoyed as a kid, and um, I'm not sure why. <laughs> You're not sure why you enjoyed it as a kid? Yes, because oh. rewatching it, I mean, it, it was it was okay. I 
quite liked it, honestly. I had never seen it until, okay, here we are going on about this movie and we haven't told them the the, 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 title. the title. Yeah, okay. thank you. Well, then take it away, Rebecca. So the uh, movie that we'll be talking about today is Little Nemo. Adventures in Slumberland, not Dreamland. I don't like those people who use that <laughs> translation. It's Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Will you meet friends where your odyssey ends? Will they have spots or polka dots or purple noses? Ooh, whatever you do, please let me dream. And that what 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 more than a perfect melody and type of imagery to point to, you know paint the imagery is like oh yeah it's a dream world that we're going into and it is a fantastical dream world at that it felt very sort of fantastical and almost had elements of like Hayao Miyazaki's films to me which yes as we find out it's from a studio what was it tm it was tokyo media movie services or tokyo yeah tms so, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland was a motion picture that was released in 1989 by TMS. Uh, I think it's like Tokyo Media Services. I think they also go by uh, Tokyo Media uh, Tokyo Media Entertainment as well. And looking back through the production history, I didn't see like honestly much of what they had done like that I was familiar with. Like if I say Studio Ghibli or G Kids, anybody can think of at least one or two movies that they've seen by that company. Well, for G- those who G watch, Kids is just a distribution, right? Right. Well, it's in it's in yes, it's in connection with Studio Ghibli though. Yeah, they do other things though, right? Because like G Kids um, distributed like Secret of Kells and um, oh my gosh, Wolf Walkers and and all of those types of movies too. Correct, but with TMS, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, this was their first attempt to introduce kind of like anime to a Western audience. And there, what you said earlier, there was influences from Hayao Miyazaki, who oh, yeah. was actually one of the people who worked, albeit a short time on this movie, because it went through a few different directors. I mean, you, you can kind of see that in the storytelling and the final outcome of the movie. Yeah. Apparently it was um, pretty disjointed during the making of the film, which I was a little, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Apparently the animators thought that they were making the animation so that then the script people could do it. But then the script people thought that they were, and it was everybody, it was a mess uh, during production. And I don't know. It doesn't, it follows the feel of a dream. And that's like literally the whole point of the movie. So I think that it's like, it's very segmented, I guess. And like, this is a dream and now he's awake and this is a dream and now he's awake. Uh, and then dream bleeds over into awake. And I don't know, it just, it felt like, it felt more real that way to me of like, it blurred the lines of, okay, what is real? Yeah. What kinda- is a dream? 
I'm losing right. my mind. <laughs> kind of like, uh, kind of like that, in, that, uh, inception moment. Yeah. in a bit, a bit. Yeah. So I, I thought that gave it a really cool feeling, I guess, as it went through, I had actually never seen this movie until Josh, you mentioned it when we, we first, I think it was when we first got married and you're like, Oh, you haven't seen that Nemo's, I think you call it Nemo's adventures in slumberland, but it's little Nemo adventures in colon adventure in slumberland anyway. But, um, but yeah, I hadn't seen it before and we watched it. I was like, this is actually really good. I like this a lot. It was fun and exciting and it was like good and evil battling against each other and in the dream world and even watching it this time. I I really enjoyed it. So I thought, I thought it was really good. I mean, yeah, I did say, okay, I'll, I'll kind of go that. It was more than okay. I mean, as a kid's film, because again, I've seen it many, many times because as a kid, I used to own it on VHS and gosh, that's way back. <laughs> but looking into this more and watching a couple commentary videos, uh, Little Nemo is actually based off of a comic strip mm. and it would detail his adventures and these dreams and stuff like that. It was a pretty long-standing comic, if that, if I remember right. You, you are correct, and so they were doing basically an adaptation into an animated film, and then I think a year or two later they came out with the game that I actually had, and I think it was on the Super Nintendo or something. It was essentially Mario, more or less, in the gameplay from what I remember, and but I played it; it was fun. And this wasn't really my first introduction to quote-unquote anime because i had seen pokemon dragon ball z or stuff before i saw this one i honestly forget that like pokemon and dragon ball z and all of those things are anime well they were more westernized i'll say it was more geared towards it, it was, it's like dipping your toe into the anime uh type <laughs> of fandom i'll say well i think that's probably why it was popular here in america at the time because it truly is like an anime like Japanese anime, right? Like aired in Japan and it just came over to America and they played it for kids. Right. Is that right? Right. Okay. I know very little about all of that because I was never into that growing up. I was not a Pokemon fan. I had I knew people who loved all the, like to collect the cards and, you know, all of that, but that was just I wasn't a big card collector. I, I did have the Game Boy and played that religiously for that game and had a few of the cards had a good amount of the vhs tapes um of the show and of course the when the movie came out there those freaking out about that <laughs> i included. remember when the movie came out and then they tried I really to, wasn't paying attention <laughs> at all to pokemon i mean it, it was either you you liked it and you were into it or you weren't i guess that's true you know it's kind of all all or nothing but with this film being an anime, there there were some elements like the type of it wasn't so much the artwork, but type of like the imagination behind it. I would say that's true, yeah. Because we had goats carrying, uh, pulling car- carriages, and we had they were jumping around, yeah, with the carriage on their back, and we had ostrich <laughs> ostriches that could fly, and yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was very fantastical. Very sort of, not fantasy, but like just fantastical. Even the music in the beginning, honestly, felt very, very much like an anime opening. Yes. Yeah, so back, in, back in that time, yes, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, today, 
No, people with the well, card. Yeah, yeah. It was good though. I liked it. So for some of our elements uh, that we saw in the film, I mean, there's definitely good and evil struggle. I mean, that's I mean, pretty prominent. Yeah. And you'll also hear this uh, next week when we talk with our guests about um, The Legend of Korra, uh, book two. Um, so, um, you know, get ready for that. So we'll be talking a little bit about that in the context of this movie. Um, but we'll also kind of be talking a little bit about it next week as well. Yeah. Um, just because it's very much, you can correlate a lot of um, a good portion of the film to the Adam and Eve story. Oh, and for sure. to give you some context, little Nemo is invited to uh, Slenderland at the request of princess Camille to basically be quote unquote, her playmate, a friend rather, <laughs> which is weird, right? Yeah. It's it, really, really weird. I gotta say it, it, like, it how was. do you even know Nemo? How do you, what, why did you choose him? That still isn't clear. So I got to say, when we do our like little what you like, what you didn't like, I did not like yeah. that it just there, there wasn't assumed like, things. I don't know. Right. There wasn't like, okay, I could I could understand it. Like, all right, summon somebody. That would have made sense. But it's like, yeah, I, I, I requested you and wanted you to, you know, come here, be my friend. Now, before all of that, though, the circus has come to town. Yes. And he sees a lot of these people that he sees in Slenderland in his dream. Mm -hmm. He even saw Santa on a horse. Now, is it a horse or is it an elephant? Do, do we think it's Santa or... No, it's not, no. obviously. But he looked like Santa. Yes. They're much modeled after that. But no, he's King Morpheus. Morphe. Yeah, yeah. King Morpheus. Um, but before we get to kind of the correlation between this movie and the Adam and Eve story. So in, in this scene that we were talking about where Princess Camille is requesting uh, Nemo's attendance to be her friend, be her playmate, whatever it is, the professor, Professor Genius. <laughs> Which, okay. <laughs> yeah. He, he, what a genius of a name. <laughs> He, he, he presents himself as like, I'm a professor, I'm a genius. You may address me as Professor Genius. Like, wow. Some okay. Quality, quality script right in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And Nilo is very apprehensive. And he's like, wait, a princess? So, yes, but she's a girl. No, that he's ever denied a, a request from the Princess Camille. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't silly. play with girls. Yeah, she's a silly girl. Gross. Like, but, but, but she's a princess, and that means she sent a gift. And his attitude totally changes. Adorable marvelousness, Princess Camilla sent a present for you. Boy, I love presents. A box of delicious dream treats from the Royal Bakery. Thanks. Wow, this is great. I love the princess. I love girls. Oh, complete 180. And ladies, I just goes to show you the old adage, the closest way to an man's heart is through his stomach. Thank you, Nemo, for perfectly illustrating that. Oh, boy, that's right. <laughs> Gotta look at his stomach to get to his heart. Man, that character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Um, you lost it when I did that when we were watching you, it. You did. <laughs> it, it, it hits at different moments. <laughs> it is very easy to poke fun at this film. Oh, so easy. We're, we're gonna <laughs> but that's kind of its yeah, charm, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because you're like, oh, really, Nemo? Really? You're going to do that? Come on, man. Don't open that door. You know what's going to happen. So later, a little bit further on into the film, once Nemo gets into Slenderland and he meets Princess Camille, he also meets King Morpheus. and Santa. Yeah, Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Santa who loves trains. That's a pretty fantastical train scene, though. Honestly, you got to admit. Though, yeah. It, it's like, pretty man, cool. I want to ride on that train. I know, right? <laughs> How cool. It's like this train track that goes all throughout the castle, and they just, like, get on and ride. They ride, and they're like, faster! Wow! It's great. Ken Morpheus gives Nemo this key. I'm wondering, okay, how much <sighs> do you know about this kid, Nemo? You've never met him before. Your daughter just requested him to come to Slenderland. Well, he chose him, though. Not only that, okay, so here's where the inconsistencies, I think, happen and really show themselves. King Morpheus chose Nemo to come and be the prince, the successor. And Prince Camille, Princess Camille wanted him to be a playmate or whatever. I don't know. It just seemed like they didn't talk about it. <laughs> there, was no, there was no communication there. I also think that this is where the similarities really, really pick up with the story of Adam and Eve. Because it's like King Morpheus gives Nemo the, this key, this literally golden yes. key with a dragon on it. Yes. Which, I, if you guys know the Bible, dragon yeah, means Satan. Satan. And apparently, this key can open up any door, which but, is pretty cool, I gotta say. Yes. But. There is one stipulation. Mm-hmm. But I must warn you, there is one door you must never open. The door with this symbol on it. This you must promise. And this promise you must never break. And anybody can tell what's going to happen. He's going to break that promise. Yes, but not without some influence. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get introduced to our somewhat antagonist. Yeah, he he's an he's a complicated character, I got to say. At first you think 100% antagonist. Then the movie goes on and you're like, "Well, mm, he's just kind of flawed, you know." I mean, leans more towards the bad side, but Yeah, so more more bad. just a character that has a lot of flaws. So we meet this character named Flip and it's how the cross between... You know what? I think his name is Flip because he's very flippant. Oh, yeah. I'll, yep, yep, that's right. If I had to take a wild guess. <laughs> so he's like a cross between like the old type of like winos, like people who drink a lot of wine and, you know, we're in the... Uh, as far as character design? Yeah, yeah, character design. Yeah, very much so. And he is voiced by Mickey Rooney. Um, the Great. Yes. Late? Late, uh, late, great late, Mickey Rooney. The late great. There we go. And I, it's <laughs> a perfect character for his voice. And oh, 100%. Yeah. So he gets Nino into mischief, and Flip is a wanted person just because he causes a whole bunch of mischief around Slunderland. He pulls out a wanted poster at one point, and I pause him like, Okay, Rebecca, that's a <laughs> lot of zeros. 
Yeah, I want to say it was like one trillion dollars or something. I'm like, gosh, who 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 has that much in Slumberland? They rich, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Nemo, but should have been better on his on his best behavior. With Flith, once Nemo gets the key, he runs into Flith again um, after an earlier meeting, and Flith says, "Hey." You know, I want to show you around the castle. I, I know the castle at the back of my hand. Mm, and so sure. they go through the castle. They go through, like, this upside-down room. and Which um, was weird. Yeah, a little bit. Really weird. And that's when he drops in. Uh, once they go in the upside-down room is when he drops into where the um, the train is, right? And that's when he meets King Morpheus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nemo runs in to flip a couple of times. Uh, the very first time is when the professor, Professor Genius, he he was like, forget that you ever saw Flip. You don't even know his name. Forget him. And it's like, and very adamant. okay, <laughs> why you gotta be that way? Of course, it just piques Nemo's interest. Like, oh, well, well, who is his character? He seems kind of fun and interesting. It's like, come on, man. That's like the first rule of like a kid or anyone really. Like, don't touch that door. Don't don't do that. Don't do that thing. They're like, well, now I want to touch it because what's going to happen? I want to know. But <sighs> a lot like temptation, a lot like Satan, just kind of like nudges you right there in the right direction. And yep. again, this is what Flip is doing because... Nemo has made a promise. It's like, yeah, I, I made this promise. Just like, you know, God said to Adam and Eve, hey, do not eat from from the tree. That's right. And That's yet, right. you know, Eve was coerced by the serpent, and she broke the, the rule, the promise, and sent it into the world. And that's what we have in this exchange between Flit and Nemo. When Flit is coercing Nemo, hey, you know, open the door. Come on, let's see. Let's see what's in there. Let's open it. But, but I. Don't you want to see inside? A door this big's got to have something really big, big, big behind it, kid. You think so? I know so. Let's take a little peek, huh? What do you say? I don't know, Flip. I promised the king. I won't tell him if you don't. He'll never know. Oh yeah, that everybody's heard that lie before. It's oh never he'll know. never know. I won't tell him. Mm-hmm. Yes, and as we find out, he definitely will find out. He will know. Yeah, I think it's important to note here that um if you guys remember in in the story of Adam and Eve, the serpent, the first thing he did was question what God actually said. Like, are you sure? Did he really say that you would die? Sure, surely you won't. He, right. he, God's just worried that you'll be like him because if you eat the tree, if you eat the tree, you have all this knowledge. Yeah. So that idea is, I won't tell him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So he questions God, and and that's what he continues to do today. It makes you question, question your faith, question you know everything. And questions aren't a bad thing. Just be sure to to seek out truth. Seek out true answers, um, mainly from the word of God. But yeah, I think Flip Flip does the same thing here. He's like, really? You sure? You sure we can't just open it, take a little teeny, teeny tiny peek, and then we'll shut it. It's fine. 
And yeah, there there is no shutting this door. Once it's open, the darkness is released, and just all hell breaks loose. Well, and that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? You know, they Satan was like, "You sure you're gonna? You're not gonna die. You, you will not die." Um, of course, you know, God was talking about a spiritual death that they would die, and Satan was lying to them and saying that it was a physical death. You won't die. You'll just um, you'll just have more knowledge. And as soon as Eve decided to to take that fruit, whatever it was, um, which is probably not an apple, it was probably like a permission or a something, something like that, something more uh, Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern fruit. Um, but as soon as she took it and she gave it to Adam, and he ate it that's the moment that that sin entered the world. And I think this is a great visual representation of that moment when sin entered the world cuz they open that door, right? Just a little bit. They look in and there's this like lake of black goo bubbling up and you know like, what it kind of remind me of a little bit? What? You know, um, Hex in yes. Ferngully? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, man. Yeah, so there's this lake of, there's the lake of, like, bubbling goo and tar, and um, it's really gross. And yeah. uh, in the sky, there's, like, red lightning flashing in the sky. It's pretty scary. And this is supposed to be a party, you know, to celebrate uh, the quote-unquote, um, you know, well, they're uh, getting ready for it. No, 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 no. The party's already started. Yeah, but they haven't officially done the coronation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nemo, they were waiting for Nemo to right. start the coronation right, right, right. and then the party. And right. meanwhile, while they ever they're all getting ready, he's down there with Flip opening up this secret door that he shouldn't be even at. Like, how did he even find this? Yeah. So we're talking about the coronation of Nemo. He is going to be the prince of Slumberland and one day take his rightful place as king. And so he can have the scepter and. Which is a terrible idea. Yeah. But, you know, it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) King Morpheus makes his choice. Exactly. It was more about, I think, Nemo learning to keep his promises. Yes. And this is kind of alluded to before the dream where Nemo is quote-unquote sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. Sure you are, Nemo. Mm-hmm. But he tries to get that, this baked pie or something. And you can see him going down to the kitchen in this scene, and there's a note that says, remember your promise, and he just disregards that. Well, he, like, peeks one little eye out, like, hmm, uh, yeah, I read that, and uh, nope, I'm going to take the promise. Exactly. Take the pie. But his mom catches him. He's like, what did I told you? He's like, oh, I'm sleepwalking. I got to run upstairs. Uh-huh. Like, you were faking the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, so that's one of the uh, little funny moments in the film. <laughs> but the stuff turns yeah. dark really quickly once that door is opened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he goes back up to the coronation. They're like, you're finally here. Uh, so he gets coronated, and then King Morpheus gives him this scepter. And he has this incantation to show the full power of the scepter. Yeah, it's like, my mama pajamas. 
my man match your pajamas. Oh, my man. I don't know. He says all kinds of crazy stuff. You're like, what? What? Yeah. What are you saying? Like, <laughs> a lot a lot of mundo jumbo, really. You know, pajamas is the only thing I got. I guess. Mamma pajamas. Probably because Nemo says it over and over and over and over and yes. over again. Yeah, I was trying to remember and all that. Gosh. You're like, just stop, man. But sadly, King Morpheus is whisked away into Nightmare Land. I know, great name, huh? Mm. Well, so during the coronation, Lazarus, back up a sec. Coronation happens, and Scepter is given the little incantation about mamma pajamas, and uh, and then they start the music, <laughs> and the professor. It's like, oh man, I can't contain it. And he starts dancing. (laughs) And so it was like kind of a nice melodic song. And then all of a sudden he gets out there. He's like, woo, yeah. Turns into a bit of a a hoedown. (laughs) A bit. bit. Yeah. And then King Morpheus is like, oh my gosh, I can't contain my segment either. And he goes out there and he starts dancing in his little gladiator shoes and little skirt thing. (laughs) (laughs) He looks crazy. Oh man. It was pretty fun, though. It was like, okay, was Morpheus. <laughs> of course, that's when uh, and when the door starts opening. Which, okay, we did not address the door. The reason it's opening is because Flip freaked out. He flipped out, if you will. And he was like, mm, I think I, call, I heard my mama calling. And he ran back up the stairs like, peace out, dude. <laughs> I'm gone. And uh, Nemo was like, Flip, come on. What are you, you just going to leave me here? I can't get the key by myself. And um, so the key ends up staying in that door, and uh, which is why the door ends up being open. And then the darkness comes in, and he, the darkness and uh, this like goo tar like stuff comes up and grabs King Morpheus and takes him away to Nightmare Land. Ooh. Yes, and then the speculation starts. You know, Professor James is like, "Who, who opened the door? Who did this?" and you know, Flip is there, and they're all looking at it. He's like, I don't know. Like, it was you, Flip. It was you. And he was like, like, No, no, no. No, no. I, you know, Nino opened the door. He's like, No, no. I, I didn't. He, 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 he told me to. Mm-hmm. And Deflection. Yes. And the, the everybody's looking. He's like, Nemo, how could you do this? And how see, could you, Sir Morpheus King, give like a an eight year old the super powerful key to the entire kingdom? I blame the king. He knew that I, I mean, think he was eight I, years old. Yeah, I mean, of course well, he was going to open the the door to darkness. <laughs> I mean, with with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, okay, Uncle Ben, <laughs> enough of that. <laughs> and when this happens, and everybody's crowding around Nemo, just looking in shock and awe, and he wakes up. He's like, "Oh, it's just a dream." But then he <laughs> turns up and he turns up his blanket. And it's like, oh, the scepter. Oh, it wasn't just a dream. This is where I liked the blending of the um, reality and dream. Which one's which? And yeah. then he this time walks on, like the legs grow really tall. Is that this time? No, that no. Time? Th- that, that's the second time. Oh, okay. That's when they go to Nightmare Land. So him, uh, so Nino, Princess Camille, Flip, and Professor Genius. Okay, but but you can't forget about Icarus. Oh yeah, the Icarus of the flying, flying squirrel. <laughs> it kind of sounds like Donnie from um, uh, <laughs> Wild Thorn. There is a little bit. Oh, gosh, yes. 
Oh gosh! I am a little bit. I'm more. I'm more. More chipmunkish. Um, yeah, very much so. I'm more like. Um. Okay. <laughs> well, I think. Yeah. No, it is a chipmunk. Um. In, no, no, no. He's a flying squirrel. No. Okay. I know. Yes. Icarus is a flying squirrel. But then the character I'm thinking of from Enchanted, the little. Oh yeah, yeah. Pip. Pip. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, Pip. Yeah. He reminds me of Pip. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So. Yes. Oh gosh, that's great. Um, but yeah, Icarus is Nino's best friend, and as any eight-year-old would have one. Of course, flying squirrel. Not only a flying squirrel, though, Josh. He's a flying squirrel with a little flying cap thing on with goggles. Yeah. We got, yeah. It's pretty great. And uh, giving him the name Icarus is also pretty you know, <laughs> funny, you know, if you know your Greek mythology. Yes, flying too close to the sun and burned up. Yes, but yeah, that, that that gives you a little bit of a little uh, background on uh, Icarus. That's all you need to know. Yeah, uh, I mean, pretty much if, if you know that, he's pretty much that way throughout the whole film. He's really he's like comedic relief. Yeah, yeah, more or less. So getting that to our talk of the adventure, again, the adventure continues as Nino and his gang go to Nightmare Land to go and rescue King Morpheus so that he can use the scepter in order to bring all peace back to Slenderland. Yes, because only King Morpheus can do this, a.k.a. God. Mm, yes. Only God can bring restoration, which was Brought about at the fall of man. Yeah, again, perfect. All correlating all this to kind of like when sin entered the world, mm-hmm. and us on this, you know, journey to kind of, you know, get back to God in a, in a sense. Yeah. Well, uh, the major difference I would say there is that God specifically made a way to us. We did not do anything in this part except except the bridge that He built for us, which is Jesus. Of course, that's that's the major difference in this little analogy. But uh, I think it still works. I, I would agree with that. And I think another message in this is basically just staying true to your word, keeping your promises. Oh, for sure. I, I think that's a big, big piece of that. And Nemo grows a lot during his little adventure um, into Nightmare Land, and he. He learns a lot about what it means to keep a promise and really more so the repercussions uh, or consequences of breaking a promise. And I think that's really important to to know because when we do break promises or we um, do something we're not supposed to do, there are consequences that happened. It's the law of reaping and sowing. It's just a part of the world. I mean, Jesus talked about that quite a bit in his ministry, the law of reaping and sowing. And he wasn't saying it as like, I'm going to punish you. He was saying it as like, this is just the way the world is. The, you reap what you sow. What you what you do will have consequences, both good and bad. And um, I think that's what Nemo is going through here. He is learning what learning what it means when he made a bad decision. And 
I think that's important for all of us to learn at some point. We have to learn it at some point. Either we learn it at an early age when we're we're kids and we're in this safe safety of our our um, nuclear family, or when we grow up and we get into to bigger things, which aren't so great. <laughs> but um, those boundaries will be taught eventually. Right. And as we see in the movie, kind of what you were getting to is when you break your promise and it not only affects you, it affects all the other people around you. Absolutely. When you break a promise, it affects not just you, it affects others around you. What it reminds me of, um, kind of just making a, a little bit of a tangent on this one, it reminds me of the Adventures in Odyssey. Uh, the reason why is there is this invention that uh, Mr. Whitaker, one of the main characters, makes to kind of like prove a point. And I'll just play a little sound clip to kind of like explain what it is. This isn't the imagination station. You're right. Something new. I'm calling it the Broom of Consequence. See, instead of sending you back, this will let you play out the future. The future? I've rigged this room to play out the options and consequences for certain decisions. You'll get the whole picture as if you're doing it for the first time. Not only you, but everyone it involves. Because your decision will often affect how other people act. You'll get to see it all. You're kidding, right? Well, get in and find out for yourself. So, kind of kind of an interesting, you know, thing right there. You have this invention that will let you see a possible outcome of your actions. If only we all had yeah, a room like that. Exactly. I think we'd all act a little, a little bit differently. We had a kind of a glimpse into kind of that. I uh, think so. Yeah. I really do. We have no idea how our our choices today and actions today will affect the future and how many different things. Was was the idea of what the the butterfly effect? Yes. You know, if you, if you like crush a butterfly, yeah, you, you step on a butterfly. And it can uh, like, alter the, the future. Things? And mm-hmm. kind of like in um, uh, Life is Strange, the, the first original game, um, it said that we're not uh, Matt Caulfield and we don't um, have the uh, ability to read our time. <laughs> but yeah, your choices have consequences and they affect more people than just yourself. And that's what Nemo learns throughout this whole adventure. Exactly. Now let's talk about um, one, a couple other characters that we're introduced to. When we get into Nightmare Land, we're introduced to these wood gling creatures. They're called the Upas or something. <laughs> and they can like mesh they? together and make a tree and They're um they're goblins, right? Oh yeah, goblins. That's what they're called. Yes. I think that's what Flip what Flip says that they're goblins. Um but these are pretty usually you think of like green. Goblins, at least I do. Yeah, I these are kind of like tan, brownish, but apparently they're the good goblins and they're trying to escape from Nightmare Land. Yeah, which is oh, a bit of a weird concept to me personally. Um, I don't know why it, it it's hard, kind of hard for me to believe. I mean, I guess if I think about it, like good people who have grown up in bad situations and they're like, I'm ready to get out of here, then that's. That makes it a little more different, but I guess I should just accept reality, like the story of what's going on. Yeah. When we look at these films through a critical lens and a spiritual lens, it, it is getting a little bit more difficult for us to suspend reality. It does. Yeah. A little bit. 
Yeah, well, because like thinking about it in a spiritual point of view, I guess it does make sense because of because they are living in the nightmare. Essentially, okay, let's say they are sinful people. So they're sinful people, these goblins. And they don't want to be sinful little goblins anymore. They're like, no, we're trying to get out of here. And our friend is actually still being held by the Nightmare King. So let's all help each other. How about that? And they turn out to be good guys. So that kind of makes sense. The other part is like, are they supposed to be like demons? In which case I would say, no, a demon is bad through and through and they cannot change. Now that's getting into some like yeah, more theolo- deep theological yeah. things. Yeah, well, we're, we're not going to go that deep with it. I mean, uh, face value, these are just goblins, yeah. not demons. They, they want to be, be good and rescue their friend that's still trapped on the Nightmare King. Yeah, for sure. And keep it that level. <laughs> the Nightmare King is uh, quite terrifying he, he's pretty scary he reminded me of the cross between the villain in the black cauldron and uh chernabog that um is that in the 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 fantasia yeah fantasia and he's also yeah. one of the bosses in kingdom hearts <laughs> of course you know that yes yeah he looks kind of like a gargoyle to me he does mm-hmm. and he has a of course a monstrous uh deep voice yeah, he's pretty scary. The movie in general is pretty scary. If you're a kid watching this, like, yeah. ooh, that'd be it's not for, It's not for young, young children. Even though on Amazon it had a rating, usually it would say TVPG, PGG. No, it said all ages. Mm, no, 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 no. I not, not this all one. Ages. It, yeah, it was pretty scary. I would say you would need to be like 10, really. Yeah. To be okay with this. Yeah, eight. At the minimum, probably. I'd, I'd probably say so. But the Nightmare King, his whole goal is just to take over everything, make Slenderland the whole nightmare. But Nemo, he's not going to have it because he receives a note from King Morpheus and it's the incantation to use the scepter. There's this scene where um, the, the good goblins are trying to help and Icarus has the keep them the paper up so he can read and Nino, Nino's having a, a, a little bit of a struggle. Jazama, pajama, pajama, jazama! <laughs> Is that all you can remember? Pa, pa, pajama, pajama! Ooh, pajamas do scare me so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That's like the oh, best. pajamas do scare me. <laughs> That's like the best line of the whole movie. <laughs> Oh man! I think that's even in the trailer for the for the movie. Honestly, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but um, you know, pajamas will scare him, especially when that scepter goes full force. When little Nino does the full incantation, and just that that whole light just <laughs> radiates. And obviously, we can make the correlation of um, the Nightmare King to Satan. Yeah, I mean, if I had to much. imagine Satan in my head, this guy's. You know, he's a good representation. Yes. But at this point, you know, all is well and the Nightmare King is gone. And this is kind of like the um, 
kind of like the conclusion of where Nino's time in Slenderland ends. Again, for what we know, uh, towards the end of the movie, where Nino is just like lying there, he's used up all his energy. King Morpheus picks up the scepter after he's been freed, and I guess has some type of like healing power or whatever. But we then have this exchange between Morpheus and Nino. Majesty, I broke my promise. I opened the forbidden door. I'm very sorry. Hmm. Your courage destroyed the Nightmare King, and his evil kingdom is gone forever. I guess that was, uh, again, trying for Nino trying to do the right thing and kind of make amends for the, the trouble that he caused. Yeah, and that was admirable. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very redemptive. I would say so. I think it's also, I don't know, to me it kind of speaks about two different things. Um, one being that we have the power to own up to our mistakes and the good that that does, that's important. It's important to take responsibility for for your life and all of that. And then also thinking about, I guess that's the main thing. It's like that beginning portion of repentance almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Where I was going with that comment earlier was just that we are not our salvation. Only Jesus is our salvation. And we partner with him and say, yes, I invite you into my life, but, um, but we are not our own salvation. I don't know. It just kind of made it seem like the strength came from within you. You are God. And it's like, okay, no, no, that's not how that works. Uh, But there are things that we do that are in our power to change. So I like to look at that first example that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And that's kind of, you know, our take on Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Hope you enjoy it. Yes. Uh, we would definitely, you know, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. I think it's I think free so. on um, Amazon Prime is where we watched it. And now we're going to get on to our favorite part. One thing we liked, one thing we didn't like. One thing I liked about this movie, as I said earlier, it was ty- kind of like a dipping your uh, dipping your toe in to the anime world as far as like stuff that you would see in a high Miyazaki film because it does have that um, influence and type of imagery that you would see in any Studio Ghibli movie. So I enjoyed that part of it. Um, the overall storyline was okay, and I didn't mind that. One thing I didn't like, and I think. Rebecca, you'll have the same thing on this. Is there wasn't much of a bridge, bridging the gap of, okay, what is the relationship between Nemo, King Morpheus, Princess Camille? How, how do they just pick any old boy in the early 1900s in New York City, which is where it takes place, and just say, hey, seems like a great kid. Let's invite them over to Slumberland. There, there's no real reason as to, okay, why did Princess Camille invite him? Why is he being given this immense responsibility? I know we're supposed to suspend reality. This, I couldn't quite get past. But other than that, it was okay. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you on your dislike that you chose. I like, I think I said it before in the, the episode. Yeah. That's one of the things that I just, I was like, okay, you could have given a little more of a reason as to why Nemo was chosen. I mean, it could, it didn't have to be a long drawn out thing, just a couple sentences of why. And uh, that would have helped a lot. Um, one thing I did like, I mean, I would have said that, Hey, you're the can, you're the can of New York, just like in the newsies. That's how we chose you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. I definitely agree with you, Josh, that, um, that inconsistency with King Morpheus and princess Camille and Nemo, that was kind of weird. It, like why it, you could have just said like one or two sentences more to explain why exactly Nemo. I mean, I guess the thing is it's a dream, right? Question, huge question. Yeah. <laughs> because it bleeds, we're not really sure. Yeah. It bleeds over in some points and, yeah. I mean, maybe we're supposed to accept that because sometimes dreams don't make sense. Well, right. Exactly. I mean, I still don't like it, but it's okay. Um, thing I liked, I kind of did like that it blended the reality and dream worlds pretty well so that you didn't really know what was dream and what was reality. Because sometimes dreams are like that, you know, you're like, what is real? What is a dream? I mean, yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good point. But we hope you guys will kind of, you know, give this, you know, film the uh, film the chance. And as I said, it's definitely worth at least a once watch. And you know, tell us your thoughts. Have you seen it? Tell us what you thought about it. Yeah, please do. I'm really curious. And we're really excited about next week with our guests. We'll be talking about, as I mentioned earlier, Legend of Korra, uh, season two or book two, however you want to kind of. Uh, say it with the uh, series and we're looking forward to that we appreciate all of our listeners you can find us on all the social media platforms twitter facebook instagram and we have our website and and we also have a youtube channel and until next time keep those halos shiny and stay holy my friends bye everybody thank you for listening to the Analuya podcast Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with all the latest information. We would love to hear your comments and questions about today's episode, as well as suggestions for future episodes. You can message us on our socials or email us at contact at analuya.com. 